Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, May 9th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing pretty well, as usual. The weather's good. Sports are happening. Um, Summer beers are so much better than winter beers. And as we discussed right before going on, for some reason, we're back to 40-minute Zoom calls. So I feel like we just have a lot to talk about and should more or less get right at it um, after you tell me how you're doing, of course. Be my pleasure. I am. I'm doing well. Good weekend. Got to play a little Frisbee. Got to hang out downtown Toronto, which is always a good time. Um, looking to just keep rolling into a, a multitude of events over the next few weekends as it always just feels now that summer's in full swing. We're finally able to just go places on a regular basis for the first time in three years. Uh, really feels like you're hitting something every weekend or at least have an activity planned because everyone's been waiting to do stuff for so long. So I'm really excited for the summer to get going and I'm really excited to talk some sports with you. So without further ado, where would you like us to go first? Well, I think the matter of fact is for the next month and a half, this is an NHL and NBA playoffs podcast that sometimes talks about other things going on in other sports. Uh, So we're going to be fronting that stuff right up. I think we'll start basketball tonight. Um, But An overarching theme for all our playoff talk is just how close these series are. So two of these NBA series we're going to talk are tied 2-2. Two of them with the Game 4s happening tonight, tied 2-1. Each team in that series has already stolen games on the road. So really anyone's series there, we'll see. But of the... 8 plus 4 is 12 playoff series going on right now. 11 of them seem incredibly close, with the Avs Preds being the only notable exception right now. Um, So as we talk through these games, what's really on my mind is like, what four games in halfway through the series, what are the things we can take from the first half to predict the second half? Uh, Is it some of these games have been close wins on one side and then more blowout wins on the other side? Um, Golden State Memphis comes to mind for that. So do you say Golden State because they win when they're winning so decisively? It feels like in the Celtics um, Bucks series, if just the magnitude of star power on the Celtics side seems higher conceivably if Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, um, both play at their full offensive and defensive two-way wing potential. There's just going to be too much for the Bucks to handle. So do you go with the Celtics because the ceiling is higher? Um, these hockey and basketball going to be the things I'm trying to throw it back to, which is by guilty confession that I haven't really watched any of the games the past two days. The weather's just been too dang nice. So with my part out of the way, oh, which basketball game would you like to start with? Yeah. So from the top here, I think the three themes we're going to get into, I got one of each for basketball and hockey, and then one overarching theme that just is always there come playoff time. But for the basketball, it feels like when we're talking variance, so, so two themes, variance and physicality. For basketball, the variance really lies in the three-point attempts. And we've seen that come through uh, in the two games yesterday. And then in hockey, the variance has come through 
with penalties. Uh, we've seen a high degree of variance in teams drawing penalties and uh, variance in terms of this is way up from previous years in terms of infractions being called. Uh, and then physicality being the other theme here where we'll get into it with basketball, but the more physical team right now has really imposed themselves in a lot of these series across the board, um, minus probably Colorado and Nashville. But in that sense, it's it's just such a large mismatch and Nashville not having the the goaltending they normally have had all year. That's really been the, the key outcome of, the, of that series in particular. But I'll start uh, going to Sunday afternoon here, the Phoenix Suns and the Dallas Mavericks. And when I talk about physicality, that is something that Dallas really came with in terms of energy uh, and, and evened up the series at home behind a loud and proud home crowd in Texas. And Luca was really impressive, but re- really stood out to me the last few games has been his physicality. They've thrown it to him into the post. Uh, isolations from that spot on the floor have been really effective for this team, obviously with his playmaking being uh, top, top tier. But additionally, his bag has grown from the post. And without uh, a traditional center at times on the floor to clog things up, when you're running with a Kleba and a Bertans as your four and five, there's tons of space for Luca to really take on some of these mismatches, whether it's a Chris Paul, who's a great defender, but diminutive, right? In comparison, whether it's a Mikal Bridges, who is one of the best in the league and staying in front of you. But in terms of weight, Luca is he's built very strongly and he's been able to take advantage in that regard on bridges. And of course, a couple of the highlights we've seen are him barreling into dudes and finishing through contact plus fouls. But he finished the game off with a couple possessions where he backed a guy down, spun off, laid it, and then uh, lulled the defense to sleep and threw a bullet to Maxi Klebo to finish out the Phoenix Suns last night. And really special stuff from Luka Doncic. And it helps a bunch when you're at home and the home crowd gets those bench players rolling. Uh, or in this case, your supplementary players, because Dorian Finney-Smith is so much more than a bench player now for this team. No Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, he's really turned into that secondary guy in terms of the two-way presence. Uh, and then last night, really, really special performance from him knocking down the threes. Uh, had a couple of heat checks late in the fourth quarter that helped the Mavericks ride the momentum to a to a big victory to even up the series and Reggie Bullock's another guy who they acquired um, who's really helped nullify the loss of Tim Hardaway Jr. behind the three-point line Davis Pertans hotter than fish grease as a as the commentator likes to say he finally did something after he has been irrelevant for the past three seasons um, and and the Dallas Mavericks they space it out, they go high variance, and they shoot 45% from three, and that's going to win you a game <laughs> nine out of ten times. And Luka Doncic um, has consistently put up great numbers, and if you're the Phoenix Suns here, maybe you start to go away from that variance and take away the other shooters and let Luka get his 45 kind of like the Clippers did. They made him work for it, but they gave up the 45 and really contained some of the other players on the floor, which could be the strategy we see Phoenix employ as it becomes a best of three with two games in Phoenix here. Uh, the In terms of themes, things that we think are or aren't going to continue, 
don't think Chris Paul is going to be in foul trouble and throwing seven turnovers in the first half. I think that's going to change. And I think the other thing that might be concerning if you're Phoenix that you hope changes is DeAndre Ayton, not imposing himself as physically as you would hope, right? I've mentioned this every single time we talk about Phoenix. He's the X factor and he's got to get that 11 rebounds up to 15. He's got that 14 points up to 18. He's just got to do a little bit more in all aspects of the game there to he's the biggest dude on the floor by a wide margin. And he's got to make that known. When I think about team and coaching styles to complain, excuse me, to contain a threatening yet tentative player, this Mavericks and kid combo, one of the best though. So Aiton mentally and physically having his hands full, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure we have the series returning to Phoenix for game five, and it'll be fascinating to see how that one goes moving along here. Another big guy uh, who is imposing himself now on a series is Joel Embiid, who has arrived in game three and just destroying dudes. And it's a lot more fun to watch him when it's, it's not happening against your team. Uh, like we just experienced with the Raptors. Uh, but Miami is having all of the similar struggles containing Embiid. They're trying to throw doubles. They're trying to throw different looks at him and he's just so much bigger than everyone else on the floor. And what Philly's done a great job of is if Miami's fronting a pass to Embiid, they're finding a way to get that ball into him. Usually it's hard in throwing a pinpoint over the top entry pass uh, for Embiid to get an easy look, but really impressive stuff. Somehow Doc Rivers out coaching Eric Spolstra through the last two games and the home crowd really helping light up Danny Green, who had a massive game three. Tyrese Maxey and uh, Tobias Harris have been steady, which is all you can ask if you're a Philly fan. And then George Niang had a couple big shots late in the fourth quarter last night. He is not as exposed as he was in the Raptors series where Pascal would go right at him. There's not necessarily that guy on Miami who can attack Niang the same way. Obviously, you'd say Jimmy Butler. But he he doesn't draw that matchup as often, and and Miami I I think just beyond Butler has not been threatening offensively the last couple of games. Even the first two games where Embiid was not there, they probably should have won by a wider margin than they did. And you can see that Lowry's a little beat up, and uh, Miami, of course, when we're talking about that variance, shooting twenty percent from three last night, seven for thirty-five. That's you're going to lose that game nine times out of 10. So then the big story becomes why is Duncan Robinson not playing this $90 million player that you've signed uh, one of the best shooters in the league. And he has not played a minute yet in this series and could be a weapon that they employ. Uh, He can always step off the bench and put shots up. And sometimes when Philly has gone to their zone, um, I'm, I'm very surprised not to see Robinson on the floor because a zone usually leaves an extra half second for shooters. Um, and it's a little bit weirder to get into your sets, but if you can find a guy who can shoot it from everywhere and spread that zone out, he could really light it up and make things difficult for Philly. So interesting to see if that's a direction they go for game five. The last thing here, James Harden has awoken from his slumber somehow managing to it's almost like he's playing himself into shape in the playoffs a little bit he has been running the offense the step back threes looked a little bit more dangerous he's looked a little bit quicker and uh, if this is truly how it is and he's building himself back up then philly fans have to be ecstatic because if he could make his way up to 90 
percent of what he was, then that completely changes the complexion of the NBA playoffs. And he was able to go for 31, seven and nine last night, which is absolutely massive for that team. And he hasn't been very efficient, but you'll take 44% from James Harden. Cause if he's doing that, you're winning every game. So really cool stuff from him and, and kind of surprising that it's happening this late in the playoffs. So we talk about him getting closer, this Miami team not doing as much as it should be capable offensively. Which team do you think is farther from its ceiling and which team do you think has a less work to get there? Uh, I, I'm, I'm really not sure. It's like they're putting in that effort. Of course they are. Of course. It, it feels kind of like the Raptors series. They're going to need a couple more breaks. Jimmy Butler is going to continue to need to be the best or second best player on the floor. Uh, and they're going to need one other dude to step up, whether it's Tyler Hero or uh, Max Struess or Kyle Lowry. Uh, Bam Adebayo really is the one that has to do it. He is their number two guy, and he's just absolutely getting exposed in this series by Embiid. Huh. That all since the start of uh, this regular season, it's been, I guess, maybe since the James Harden trade, but it's been like, I like Butler and I like Adebayo because they can switch that pick and roll however they want it to take any like scary guard power forward center combination. Mm -hmm. And so far hasn't lived off that. It has not, but I mean, if Embiid's the one in that action, (laughs) it doesn't matter who you switch on that Miami team. Yeah. All right. We will move along here to another very, very physical series. Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, we saw what happened with Dylan Brooks in game two. He missed the last game, and you could tell that was that was difficult for Memphis because he sets the tone for them in terms of uh, attitude and swagger when he's out there on the floor, and they were definitely missing that. And Golden State took advantage. They were able to pressure, pressure Jaw uh, and, and get the ball out of his hands mostly. I mean, he still had 34 uh, 115 points for the through the first three games of a Western second round is the most by any player uh, in in such a series. So really wow. impressive stuff from Ja, and looks like we're not going to see him in Game Four due to what the Grizzlies claim is a dirty play from Jordan Poole. I think that it's completely harmless, and Ja got injured on another play. And if your knee is in that shape where someone tugging on it trying to grab the ball is, is going to cause an injury. Then there's some bigger issues that's at hand there. But um, these two teams at this point in this series are ready to rip each other's throats out. So I'm really excited for this game for Dylan Brooks will be back. Jaw will not, but if you're going state, you have to be very careful here. Cause like we mentioned, I think what they were 16 and two this year without John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies were five. Yeah. Some crazy number. Uh, it just means that Desmond Bain's going to get more shots. Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get more shots. De'Anthony Melton, Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, all of these guys can, can contribute in so many ways. And it, it at times, what it does for this Grizzlies offense is it actually gets everyone going in a better rhythm when you don't have one person to feed the ball to. So if you're Golden State, you have to win this game because if Memphis is able to steal this one back, tie the series up, and all of their guys are in a better rhythm now from getting more looks, and you get Jaw back for game five, that could be really, really dangerous for Golden State. So a big one tonight for sure. 
Man, uh, the jaw talk does ominously uh, throw it a little back to Derek Rose vibes. It does. It really does. Uh, but hopefully nothing catastrophic in Jaw's future. Um, and and think about it. It's 11 years ago now, at least since Derek Rose won his MVP um, a couple of years later. But just the modern medicine has progressed even so much in the last six, seven, eight years that you hope that like just even seeing Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson back on the court is a testament to that. So you hope that even if there is some dangerous knee stuff going on with jaw uh, this off season, they'll be able to take care of it and help him work on some better landing mechanics to prolong his career. I just don't know if those mechanics exist for that play style. It's so entertaining. It's so high volume, but it just doesn't. We'll see, but it feels you're just playing with fire. The probability seems so much higher um, over an extended period of time. And I hate that that's the first real thought I'm voicing here, but uh, I I don't know. Do you think there's a point where he has to like sit down and stop looking for those highlight dunks that like ridiculous explosiveness all the time, at least in the regular season? A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, but again, what, this was his third year in the league. Yeah. So uh, I don't think we'll get that point yet. It might take a fairly scary injury. There was one earlier this year where we thought he'd blown out his knee, ended up just being a sprain. Might take one more or of those close calls, but these guys at the highest level, they got to where they were by playing so, not recklessly, but playing with that confidence that every time you go up, you're going to score and be fine when you land. You can't play with fear. Um, and so just his natural ability to be able to play in such a way. I, I don't see that changing. Um, and it's more on the coaching staff and the training staff to help him recover and put him in spots on the floor where he's not at risk of doing a, a, an injury. There we go. Last game here to touch on that is underway between the Boston Celtics and the Mo- Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and this one really comes down to game three. Some questionable referee calls late in this one. The Marcus Smart shooting foul that was not, apparently. And the Drew Holiday push off, which was not. Um, but realistically, Boston had a chance that to win that game anyways and squandered it. And Giannis is a freak of nature. He is the most dominant player in that series. He brings it every night, no matter what. It's what separates himself from everyone else right now, where he is just this massive dude that you can't move, you can't stay in front of, and no matter what, he's going to find a way to get you at least 30 on any given night and impact the floor in every aspect of the game. Uh, And this Milwaukee team has been really physical. Wes Matthews has given Jason Tatum all that he can handle and more as evidence in game three with his poor performance. Uh, but when we're talking about physicality, the Milwaukee Bucks, man, they, they are a team that knows who they are now at this point in the championship DNA and Giannis having unlocked every level of difficulty that this game has to offer. He's just playing at another level. And we saw Nikola Jokic named back-to-back MVP uh, today. At least that's what's been leaked, not officially announced, but, 100% sure that it is going to be Jokic. 
everyone everyone then takes a look at what's going on in these playoffs and was was that the right scenario obviously Giannis went back to back uh the two years prior to Jokic's run but he is unquestionably the best player in the league and he's already going at it tonight in this one against Boston uh with five rebounds in the first quarter like even if he's not scoring he just he does it all I always thought the way that the NBA does the finals MVP award instead of more like the NHL having it be an award for the most valuable player throughout the playoffs was kind of strange. And um, I think that award in the NHL should get more recognition than it does because I think the NBA version of that award would eclipse the MVP award. Mm-hmm. It's very possible. Yeah, as for the last-minute chances for both teams and the Bucks taking it, we saw in the Celtics-Nets series, when the game was on the line, last five minutes of the fourth quarter, every time the Celtics able to out-defend the Nets and outscore them, just outperforming them in the clutch, showing they were the better team, and now in these situations, getting the reverse treatment, um, it like as you said, speaks to the championship DNA that this Bucks roster has acquired. Which is so crazy because before last year they they couldn't get over that hump. And <laughs> is so the way of every team in basketball. You you earn your way through right of passage. And uh we'll get into the NHL playoffs, but there are a couple of teams looking to do the same uh as we transition here. The NHL postseason. Max, you shared this article uh, with some key talking points on the NHL playoffs. It's a good thing to kind of run through because, like I mentioned, in terms of variance, penalty calls are way up while the power play percentage remains the same. Uh, The margin of victory is way up. We saw this during the NBA regular season where there were a lot of blowouts. It's, It's tough to explain what's happening in these NHL playoffs right now where teams are winning and they're winning in a big way. Um it, it, yeah, we'll talk about a couple of reasons why that might be happening. But then besides that, the series themselves are quite even. As you mentioned, only the one series across the 12 that we're talking uh, NBA and NHL, that is a three nothing series. Everyone else has at least got a, a win on the board right now. And so really interesting stuff. Um, already have some games in action tonight. Uh, and, and we'll keep you apprised of that as we go along. But Max, I'll let you kick things off where you want to take this. Yeah, as you mentioned, a couple of trends lining up this all f- um, from that news service. I shout out sometimes on this show, the CBC bu- Buzzer newsletter. Um, the headline being the NHL postseason is off to a weird start. Uh, the trends coming together are very close series huge margins of victories and more power plays being called. And on our last pod, we talked about the increased tight whistling of the games and the fact that it seemed to have more stars involved. And I kind of came to the conclusion that I was okay with that. Um, But the way it's turning to this outcome, it seems like whatever team's hotter on the power play that night gets it going early and that's what gets it going for them. So we have this trend of the refs calling the whistles a bit tighter. And then that really seems to be first period, second period, settling these games. Um, Gary Batman saying that the penalties not being called more frequently 
the exact quote being the standard is the standard. It's not a regular season standard. It's not a playoff standard. We continue to reinforce to the officials. We want you to call the NHL standard. And that standard is to reinforce speed and skill. And the officials are doing that. And then some, uh, the one thing about that, that kind of rubs me the wrong way is if you call collisions like incidental contact over increased playoff speed, you're almost incentivizing players to slow it down because it's at that speed that those whistles get called. Um, but again, as we said, seeing a McDavid, seeing a Matthews Marner get a little more space on the ice with the puck is something I want to see in the playoffs rather than not. So it's just, if we can find a way to have these whistles and the star players involved and see more games going into the third period, I'm okay with it. But yeah, a bit of a weird taste in my mouth with how a lot of these games are turning out so far and kind of checking out by the first, second period and a fair few of them. I don't know how your viewing experience has been. Yeah, I, I again... I'm not opposed to more penalty calls. It's something Leafs Nation in particular has been clamoring for for many years with the way that some of these teams have treated them in the past. Uh, and now it's seeming like where they're finally punching above their weight class. This is when this is the year that the NHL decides to change the standard. And of course, they've changed the standard. Do not listen to a single thing that comes out of Gary Bettman's mouth. Of course, the standard has changed. We have seen it very clearly in what has been called in these playoffs so far. And I got to say, like, it, it doesn't it doesn't really change the product too much. And more goals usually leads to more casual fans. You've got more casual fans tuning in on TNT and ESPN because this is the first year of that big deal with the NHL and Turner. So you want to have that the eyeballs on it. And I think the NHL, like I, I actually approve of this strategy because it's going to be the what's best for driving in people watching the game and viewership and gambling and more revenue towards the league and helping grow the sport. So I'm all for it. It hasn't affected my viewing experience at all. And on the topic of these blowout games, it almost feels like the coaches with the analytics and the focus on rest and load management, it's almost like they're seeing a slow start and going, well, we got, they still got to beat us three more times. Let's throw this one out the door uh, manage the lines, manage the load and, and come back strong for the next game. Uh, and, and just the emotions of a, of a Stanley cup playoff series can be draining where you're playing every other night. They don't have those random two nights off in a row, like they do in the NBA. And so it's tough to come off this massive win and then tie it up less than 48 hours later to, to go at it again. And so there's that ebb and flow of these series that's come through and really, if Colorado hadn't gotten that that kind of tricky one in overtime against the hot goalie, we could say all of these series across the board, at least one team has a win. And the NHL probably has the most parity out of any North American professional sport. And so, of course, you're going to see teams win a couple of games. And I think the referees have a little bit of game management in there as well, kind of like you'll see with a Scott Foster and the whole NBA rig conversation. But uh, the more games that these series go, the more revenue that the NHL is going to make and the more games they get to put on national TV. So it, it's fascinating to see it, it it go this way. And I honestly am not opposed. I've been enjoying the NHL playoffs so far. The Washington Capitals here could could do something really big, tied after the first intermission and, and potentially go up 3-1 against the Florida Panthers tonight. 
and the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, also in the driver's seat here. Um, tied 1-1 at intermission, but another chance to use the home ice advantage to go up 3-1 in their series as well. Some really great series going on here. Um, and then, Max, I'll let you you finish up with a couple of your thoughts if you want to talk Leafs Lightning or any other series. I do not want to talk about the Leafs Lightning right now. Um, I'll just add the Boston Bruins into that slew of names of just categorizing the old guard is not going away. They're on paper, the Carolina Hurricanes, the Florida Panthers, the New York Rangers. These are the hockey teams of the future that over the next five, 10 years, we five years, we'll say expect to dominate and they should have clear advantages over these teams who have for the last 10 years been really consistent playoff threats. Uh, so I love seeing those teams not go away. Even the Bruins, um, a, a few years out of playoff rivalries with them makes it a little easier to bear them winning. Uh, one other quick hockey note for you. Um, it might be hockey Christmas for you, actually. Um, Barry Trotz fired by the Islanders today. Yeah, shocking. Um, the coach, who one of the best defensive coaches in the league, um, the man responsible for bringing them to that gritty, grindy, painful style, let go. Uh, so really curious to know what future the Islanders GM has in mind, taking away the tool that let his team play at a level that seemed far above their potential. Just had to throw that into the hockey talk. Uh, if you've got nothing else, we can move on. If- got one last shout out for Jake Ottinger of the Dallas Stars, who is in the midst of a scandalous series stealing, spectacular performance. He has stopped 93 of 96 shots from the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars out of any team that could outflames the flames that would be the team right they play defensively they play really physical and when they've got a goalie playing the way that he's playing they, they, i mean they're up to one in this series and it's possible that they could take it so really great stuff from dallas i mean a lot of people had calgary pick myself included to go pretty deep in these playoffs obviously still early in the series but um that's been probably the most surprising so far and calgary got some real playoff demons to confront uh, with the stars um mm. so that also a factor all, all right. of the canadians do <laughs> we've got two and a half minutes to get through these notes so i'll try and do it as quickly as possible and just say oh my goodness carlos alcaraz i want whatever you're having um this kid who in January I was saying he might be fun to watch this year is being widely considered the best tennis player in the world right now, uh, coming off a run at Madrid that involved being Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, and then an Alexander Zverev who was playing at the top of his game, taking out Felix Auger, Aliasim, and Stefano Tsitsipas on his way to the finals. Uh, Alcaraz's style of just ridiculous athleticism to get to any shot, brutally powerful forehands and backhands, and then precision on the drop shot, precision on the lobs, precision on the laser backhands to beat a player who just came to the net has been absolutely terrifying. It seems to be stumping the entire tour. I'm horribly disappointed and did not see him competing in Rome this week with basically the same cast as Madrid, um, but excited because it means you know he's coming in full 
Lee taking the French Open really seriously. So wonderful storyline going on in the world of tennis right now. It feels like the future is here. The future is definitely here in the UFC lightweight division uh, with Charles Oliveira making his third successful title defense against Justin Gaethje in a hilarious four-minute slugfest that involved both hurting the other and then Oliveira dropping Gaethje, securing position, and doing what everyone knew Oliveira would do as soon as he got Gaethje on the ground and just completely out grappling him. Um, any fight for the title that is not Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev is MMA blasphemy, and that's all I have time to say on the subject. Oh, last thoughts. I was doing my uh, Tony Ferguson face after oh, Michael I, Chandler oh, put his oh, lights out. Oh, and Canelo lost, which was shocking in itself as well. Big time upset for all gamblers out there. Thank you, everyone, so much for watching. Max? This has been a scary power run, but riding a bit of a high. We've got less than a minute left. Sports Next Door signing off.